Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you this morning. It's a great day to be here. I want to just give a special shout out to those joining in online as well. So glad that you are joining in. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for all of you. I believe that God has something for each one of us this morning, not because of something I'm going to say, but because of something his word is going to say to each one of us. So I'm so glad that you are here. This last week, uh, we received in the mail an ad for a local car, uh, car dealership. And on that ad, it was one of those you probably, you might have even received the same one. It has a a key attached to it and a little scratch-off section. And normally, I have nothing against our local car dealerships, but normally I just kind of file that in the wastebasket. For whatever reason, this week it did not end up in the wastebasket. And my 10-year-old son, actually Colton, today is his birthday. Happy birthday, buddy. Uh, He will at least watch the first three minutes of the message. Uh, Happy birthday, Colton. He found this ad. And he, after analyzing it, he took the scratch off and he scratched it off. And he came up to me and he's like, Dad, Dad, we just won $2,500. And I was like, really? Show me. So, So I'm looking over the ad and looking at the fine print. And I'm like, okay, bud, this really didn't mean you just won $2,500. It just means that they really want you to come to the car dealership and spend a whole lot more than $2,500. And and he he just kind of looked at me, went away. For some reason, it still didn't make it its way into the trash can. And so two days later, he comes up to me, hey, Dad, have you gone to the car dealership yet to get the $2,500? I'm like, Colton, bud. And so I try to explain it again. I'm like, do you really believe this? Do you believe this? And that's a good question for us today. Do you believe this? I mean, maybe you have told a fishing story or heard of one in your time that that catch was so so amazing. Or you've been to a youth uh, sports event and you've heard, usually it's the dads off in the corner reliving their glory days. And man, they were good. Do you believe this? Or maybe it's a politician on TV or a pastor who talks about how his wife gets phone calls from Bill Self. And you're thinking, do you believe this? Is this real? Do you believe this? What we believe is important. What we believe matters because it gives direction and and insight to the whole rest of the way we live our lives. And we are in this I Am message series. And in this series, we're looking at these seven I Am statements made by Jesus recorded in the Gospel of John. And John, he really wants people to know who Jesus is. Here's the reason behind those. We find it in John chapter 20, verse 31. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John wants his readers to believe that Jesus is the Son of God and to have life in his name because of that belief. What we believe matters. In addition to the seven I am statements of Jesus that we find in the Gospel of John, there are seven signs or miracles that we find. And here's a list of those seven signs in John. And today we're going to find the I am statement, I am the resurrection and the life, actually in that seventh miracle, the raising of Lazarus. This is the last miracle that John records before Jesus is crucified. This miracle is big. This one's different. The other ones bothered people, but this one seemed to cross a line for those who had it out for Jesus. This one is big, and we're going to find it in John chapter 11. So if you have your Bible with you or if you have the Bible app on your phone, this would be a great day to pull up that app and just follow along. We'll be in chapter 11 pretty much exclusively the whole time. John chapter 11. 
We read this beginning in verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. I'm going to summarize the next section. Jesus tells his disciples, Lazarus has died, and so let's go to him. And so to get to Bethany where Lazarus was, it was a dangerous trip. Bethany is about two miles away from Jerusalem. There are people who want to kill Jesus, but he goes anyway. And as they get close to Bethany, they find out that Lazarus has been dead and in the tomb for four days. And when, when Martha finds out, that one of the sisters finds out that, that Jesus is on his way, she goes out to meet him. And we pick it back up in verse 21. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. There's our I am statement. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. We're going to stop right there for just a moment. The mourners have gathered, the family, the friends have gathered around Martha and Mary. And we read in this text over and over again that Jesus loved them. Jesus loved Lazarus. He loved Martha. He loved Mary. This was a tight friend group. Outside of the disciples, these are some of Jesus' best friends. And because they are his best friends, when they find out that Lazarus is sick, Jesus does the completely logical thing of waiting two more days. Really? Do you believe this guy? And by the time he gets to Bethany, Lazarus has been dead for four days. Both Mary and Martha say, Lord, if you had been here, if you had only been here, our brother would not have died. Now, Christians, we love sometimes these little quip, quips and phrases, don't we? And I'll probably give you a few in the message. But one of them, uh, well, God's timing is always perfect. God's never late. 
Okay, God may not be ever late, but sometimes his timing feels a lot like that family member or that friend who asks for five more minutes and it stretches out for like an hour. God may never be late, but he is certainly not early, is he? Have you ever experienced that? A situation where you're like, God, I need you right now. We have a situation here. And it feels like you just wait. You wait. And you wait. What we see in this passage Number one is that Jesus is greater than your circumstances. Jesus is greater than our circumstances. That doesn't mean he doesn't care about them. He absolutely does. We'll see that in a moment. But he is greater than our circumstances in that he is not shocked by them. He is not panicked by them like we are. But he is greater than our circumstances. We all have those. Some of them are big things. Some of them don't feel quite as big, but there are those things you've prayed, you've hoped, you've declared the truth, and you've waited and waited and you've waited. One of the things we see in this passage is that God's delay is not his denial. God's delay is not his denial. Mary and Martha said, Lord, if only you had come our brother would not have died. They wanted Jesus to come and heal him. They had seen him heal people before. If Jesus, if you will just come and heal him, things will be all right. Just because Jesus didn't come when they wanted him does not mean he has not come. God's delay is not his denial. He loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus, and he loves you. Jesus loves you. See, so often what we end up doing is viewing the love of God through the lens of whatever circumstance we're facing instead of viewing the circumstances we face through the lens of the love of God. I got a new pair of glasses a month or so ago, and I put them on, and something just wasn't right. Like the, I don't know if it's a prescription or what, but when I, I tried to wear them for about a week, and, and it, the world is like a fish lens because what you look at the world through makes a difference in how you see it. Let's, let's just make this, this really practical. I think most of us can relate to this. Maybe you're, you're close to retirement age or you were thinking maybe five years ago uh, that I'd retire around 2023. <laughs> the economy hasn't really helped, has it? No. And for me, it's I have a child who's a couple years away from college. And I'm thinking, Lord, the timing on this, the whole thing just isn't working very well for me, right? And it's easy to look and be like, here's my, here's my circumstance, Here's the love of God. Well, it just must not be important to God. I mean, I'm going through this, and it just doesn't seem like he cares. And, and I mean, I, God is good. He, he's love, but I, maybe I just don't matter that much to him. Instead, what we need to do is view those circumstances through the lens of the love of God. So if we switch that, yeah, I'm going through some stuff, God. But you love me, and you're with me through it all. I don't understand what's going on, but I do know that you have not left me and you will not leave me and you will not forsake me. We have to view the love of God correctly. We have to view that because we have a good God, but oftentimes our circumstances, they're not so good. I've been a part of our church now for seven years and I've watched some of you walk through some very difficult things. 
and have watched some of you currently walking through some difficult things. And I would love to be able to tell you, but you know as well as I do, that I cannot say that God will answer your prayer exactly how you want him to answer that prayer every time. I heard Pastor Jonathan Evans say it this way, just because God hasn't answered your prayer your way doesn't mean he's not answering your prayer anyway. God is going to answer your prayer. He loves you. His delay is not his denial. You see, often we have to have a view that goes beyond the 76.4 years or whatever it is that we end up living on this earth to realize that because of what Jesus has done, if we are following Jesus, we have an eternity with him. Eternity is a whole lot longer than this life. We have to have a picture that goes beyond just those 76.4 years plus we have to have a picture like, like the Apostle Paul who was beaten, who was put in prison. The Apostle Paul who in 2 Corinthians 4 says, all these light and momentary troubles, even though they're not light and they're not feeling momentary, all of those things, they don't even compare to the glory of what awaits us with Jesus. That same pastor who, who I quoted, Jonathan Evans, he, he said that he was going through the loss of his mother to cancer. And they had prayed and they had hoped, but he realized that, that God's answer to their request for prayer was yes. That she was either going to be healed or she was going to be healed. She was going to be healed this side of eternity or on the other side of eternity, but either way, she's going to be healed. We have to have a picture, a, a view that is bigger than just this life. God might not change your circumstances, but he will change you in the process, and it will be for your good and for his glory. I don't know what that looks like. I'm not saying it's easy. But I do believe that we serve a God who may not, he didn't cause that horrible thing to happen. But what he can do is take what has happened, those horrible things that have happened, and he can actually turn good from those. That's what he tells us in Romans 8.28, that he can take those things and turn them for your good and for his glory. We never know what God is doing. We never know how he is working. He is working, even though you don't see it. It doesn't, it doesn't fit with the circumstances, but I was thinking of this yesterday. Uh, back to my son Colton, and I talk about him a lot. He, he is a walking sermon illustration, and my daughters don't mind if I talk about him. So, but Colton, um, he, he turns 10 today. We adopted him five years ago today. Ten years ago, my family, there were four of us. It was Penny and Maisie and Kelly and myself. We lived in North Texas. Actually, ten years ago, I think right now we were on vacation. Ten years ago, there was a little boy being born in Hutchinson Hospital. We had no idea. Ten years ago, while we were on vacation, if we had had a stranger come up to us and say, hey, your son was born today. <laughs> Six years ago, he moved into our home. Five years ago, he was adopted. You have no idea what God is doing right now. That 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, in heaven someday, maybe we'll get a glimpse of what God was up to when we didn't even realize it. Do you believe this? But what do you do? What do you do in those moments when life hits you and it hits you and it knocks you off your feet? Mary gives us, I believe, a great example of how to respond. 
It says that when Mary found out that Jesus was coming, she quickly goes to Jesus. She quickly goes and she falls at his feet. Life has just taken her out at the knees. And what looks like a posture of weakness is actually a posture of strength because falling at the feet of Jesus is a posture of worship. And the posture of worship is a posture of power because when you worship Jesus, you have access to the power of God. So often when we experience life and the circumstances of life, we want to actually back away from Jesus. The best thing that we can do in the midst of those circumstances is come and fall in the feet, at the feet of Jesus and offer to him those things those circumstances, those challenges, because it's not going to be easy. We need him, even when we don't understand, to worship him. Jesus is greater than our circumstances. Number two, Jesus is greater than death. We see this in the passage, that Jesus is greater than death. Let's look at Martha's interaction with Jesus. It's where we get the I am statement back in verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? I am the resurrection and the life. I used the word resurrection in a message not too long ago, and I had somebody tell me later that they didn't understand what that word meant. Resurrection, quite simply, is something dead coming to life. What once was living and is now dead coming back to life. Notice Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the not life, not I can do resurrection. There's a difference here. There are things I used to be able to do. There are things you used to be able to do, but you can't anymore. Jesus, it, it's not a can. It's who he is. Resurrection isn't just a side hobby for Jesus. It's part of who he is. And so where Jesus is, there is the potential for resurrection to happen. Where Jesus is, dead things come to life because it's who Jesus is is because resurrection is not an event. It's a person. Resurrection is a person, and that person is Jesus. Jesus goes to Martha, and he says, your brother will rise again. And Martha says, oh, sure, he'll rise again at the, at the last days in the resurrection. There was a Jewish belief, a correct Jewish belief, that at the last days there would be a resurrection. But I feel like what Martha's saying in this is, oh, I know, I know I'll see him again. But Jesus, right now, right here, in this moment, I just need a little hope. Because I miss him. Death is hard. We've all probably lost somebody close to us, a family member, a friend. And it's hard. And even years removed, it can be hard. You think of them just at the most odd of times. Even though we have this hope that, that if they are in Christ, that they have this, this, this glorious, amazing future, it's still hard because we miss them. I love how Jesus responds. Jesus, who is the life, when he is faced with death, let's look at how he responds to this. In the passage, looking in verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. The shortest verse in the Bible. You can memorize it today. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Jesus knew what he was about to do for Lazarus, but he wept. Jesus 
sees his friends going through the challenge of facing death, and he weeps. Jesus, I believe, knows the death that's coming for him, and he weeps. The scholars actually wrestle with and argue back and forth about what emotion Jesus is feeling here. On one hand, we look at this idea of Jesus wept, and we think, oh, well, he has compassion on people. Jesus has compassion on the people who are struggling with this. And that's true. We see that time and time again in the Gospels, that Jesus is moved by compassion. But that idea in verse 33 that he was troubled in spirit, he was deeply moved. The, the words underlying that kind of connotate this idea of an anger or a frustration. Is Jesus angry that they're sad? What's going on here? And I actually like that the scholars disagree on this because they want to isolate and say, this is the emotion. But how many of you know that when you're faced with death, you can't identify an emotion? When you're faced with death, you are feeling all of it. You are feeling sadness. You are feeling grief. You're feeling anger, frustration. There are sometimes you even laugh in the midst of a funeral, right? Emotions cannot be easily isolated. And what I love about Jesus' response is that he is emotionally present in that moment. He's going through this with them. He's experiencing this death. And I believe this gives, when, when we go through those, those moments of loss, it's okay to grieve. Jesus shows us that example. I also love that Jesus doesn't just start spitting out theological truths. He's not just starting to, to tell them, oh, they're in a better place, or, or oh, to be absent the body is to be present with the Lord. They know that. But they just miss their brother. And sometimes that's what we need, is just to be with someone and to grieve together, to weep with those who weep. But if Jesus is the resurrection, if resurrection is not an event, it's a person where Jesus is, resurrection power is. Martha doesn't understand this. She, she understands this idea of a resurrection someday, but she doesn't realize that Jesus is the resurrection right there in that moment. And yet, even in her, her not understanding, she gives such a great a testimony of faith. Back in verse 21, it says, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Verse 22, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. I think that's stronger than we realize there. Verse 21, God, I don't understand this. I don't understand why you didn't show up earlier. I don't get why it feels like everything is gone. But even now, even now I believe that you are who you say you are. Some of us need to have an even now moment. A verse 22 moment. We're stuck in verse 21. God, where are you? Why haven't you intervened in this? But even now, I will believe that you are who you say you are, that you have the resurrection power, that you can do anything, that none of this is too hard for you. Even now, that relationship that I have given up on and I've said it is dead in the grave, maybe you need to have a verse 22 even now moment. That hope that you once had, even now, I believe that you are the resurrection and the life, Jesus, and I can trust in you. You need to have that even now moment because not only is Jesus greater than circumstances, greater than death, he is also greater than your expectations. Jesus is greater than your expectations, and often those expectations are nothing more than limitations on a 
limitless God. Jesus is greater than your expectations. Martha has met Jesus. Mary has met with Jesus. Verse 35, Jesus weeps. And then we read in verse 37, but some of those who, them who, those who had come to mourn said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? In other words, we've seen him heal before. He loved Lazarus. Why in the world did, not, did he not show up? It's over now. It's too late now. Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. It is finished. Jesus is too late. Question, is anything too hard for God? Is anything too gone, too far gone for him? Do you believe this? Picking it up in verse 38. Jesus once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they take away the stone. And Jesus calls out in a loud voice to Lazarus, and he comes out of the grave alive. Take away the stone. Oh, but Lord, it's going to smell. Oh, it's going to smell. This is going to be embarrassing to our family. I mean, Martha is the, the ever practical one, as we read in Scripture. She's always the one working very hard, and she knows that, that he's been gone for four days. This is not a good idea. Don't take that stone away. Don't take it away. It's going to stink. Have you ever had a situation where, like, your refrigerator, something died in there, and you cannot find it? Uh, you don't have time to tear the whole thing apart. But you know that smell that I'm talking about. You open the door, and you, we had that happen one time, and we had company coming over. And I'm praying, Lord, please, at the end of this meal, I hope they are not helpful. I hope they do not try to help put things away. Because if they open that fridge, it stinks. Death and decay are the result of sin. And I believe Jesus says, take away the stone. Oh, no, no, no. Not that thing, God. I, I have just allowed that to just be hidden. We closed the door on that. You don't need to go there. And Jesus says, take away the stone. Oh, but it stinks. You don't want to open that. That's embarrassing. I am embarrassed by what you, will, you, what you will smell by that. Take away the stone. Take away the stone. See, Jesus wants into the tombs of your life to speak life into the dead parts of your life and to bring resurrection power into what you once thought was dead, once you, what you have just allowed to be there. Jesus wants to come in. And bring it back to life for your good, for his glory. Do you believe this? Jesus tells us, I am the light of the world. I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Oh, I'll believe this when I, when, I, when I understand it fully. I'll believe it when I understand it fully. Mary and Martha, they knew Jesus. They were friends. They believed in him. They followed him. And they didn't understand fully what Jesus was about to do in their lives. You see, Martha and Mary, by believing in Jesus, even though they didn't understand, they were putting their trust 
in Jesus. They were putting their trust in that which they were believing in, the one they were believing in. When we insist that we have to understand everything before believing, really we're just saying that trust is in us still. We aren't going to trust anybody else. We're going to trust ourselves. You don't have to understand everything to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. A lot of times we have thoughts and ideas about God and about Jesus and about what he, what he has done, but we haven't allowed those thoughts and ideas to move from here to our hearts where they become beliefs. See, there's a difference between our thoughts and our beliefs. Information can change your thoughts. Revelation is what changes beliefs. And Jesus in this passage is revealing himself as the resurrection and the life. He is the son of God. Do you believe this? See, the story of Lazarus foreshadows Jesus' own death, his own death and his own resurrection. But it also reminds us that he is coming again, and we too, who are in Christ, will experience a bodily resurrection. And that's good news. That's good news. But again, I ask the question, do you believe this? And some of you can reply, of course I believe this. I have believed this longer than you have been alive, Dustin. And that's great. I'm glad. But don't miss that question. Uh, that question is not just for those who haven't yet decided to follow Jesus. Do you believe this? Because the longer we have been following Jesus, I'm pretty convinced the more structured we get about how we believe God will work in and through our lives. This is how God does this with me. What if, what if even now God wants to do something in and through you that is far beyond what you could ever ask or imagine? Far beyond what you understand. Do you believe this? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Would you bow your heads with me and just spend time reflecting on this? For some of us, I believe that God has, has said something specifically. The Spirit has laid something on your heart. Maybe an even now moment that you need to have. Or maybe a take away the stone moment you need to have. But will you believe enough that God is bigger than the boxes we try to put him in? He's greater than our circumstances. He's greater than death. And he's greater than our expectations. Holy and loving Father, as we, as we bow our lives before you, we just say thank you. Thank you that in the midst of life that we have a God, a Father who cares, who cares about the challenges that we go through. Thank you, God, for the hope that we have, the hope that we have of an eternity with you. Yes, we live in a fallen world right now, but God, we look forward to that day when we will be with you in a place with no more pain, no more suffering, no more death. We look forward to that. Lord, we invite you to have your way, to do what you desire to do in us. And with our heads bowed and our eyes still closed, I believe somebody here still needs to choose to follow Jesus. Do you believe this? has been asked many times, and, and, and I believe that for someone you're saying, yes, I need to believe this. I need to believe this. 
Because shortly after Lazarus is, is, is raised, Lazarus is going to die again. But Jesus would be arrested, would be crucified, would die, he would be buried. But the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit would raise him to life again. All for you so that sin and death could be conquered once and for all. All you need to do is believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with your mouth the same. And you will be saved. You will be with him. If you need to pray that prayer today and if you're ready to say, I will follow Jesus, I am saying yes. Would you raise your hand just quickly here? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. And everybody, if you would look up at the screen, we say this prayer almost every week for the last year. And I know it can feel, if you say it over and over again, you're thinking, oh, my goodness. This is a declaration of faith. For somebody, this is a declaration of faith they will make today for the very first time. And so I don't invite you to stand. I think we should stand as we pray this together. I'll, I'll say each line, and you can repeat it after me. We say, Lord, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, that he gave his life to forgive my sins and was raised from the grave to give me life. I receive your grace by faith. Come into my life. I will follow you. Amen. Can we celebrate those who made that decision today?